Hello, um, my name's Chris Neff, and uh, I'm one of the staff members here at Ridgepoint Church. And uh, if you picked up uh, one of the green DVDs, uh, that's what you're watching right now, or maybe you're watching this message online on our webpage. Uh, and we're just excited that you decided to do that. Uh, uh, JJ's going to explain a little bit about why we're, tr- why we're trying this this time. But I just want to share a couple things with you just before JJ comes up and shares uh, this week's message. First of all, uh, e- even though we're not having services at Ridgepoint Church this weekend, um, you know, there, there are still things that we have to take care of, and, and there are things, bills that we still have to pay. Um, you know, the, we still got to pay the electric bill and all of that kind of stuff. And so I'd encourage you, if you, uh, uh, if you want to give uh, in the, this last week uh, of December, uh, we want to encourage you to do that. There's a couple different ways that you can do that. First of all, you can mail a check to uh, the church at our physical address. It's 100 Hatfield Road, and that's Winter Haven, and it's 33880, so you can mail a check. Or there's a couple different places that you can give online as well. You can go to our webpage, ridgepointchurch.org, and uh, when you get to that homepage, up in the upper right-hand corner, you'll notice there's kind of a dollar sign there. If you click that, that'll take you to our giving page. Uh, a place where you can kind of set up either you can give a one-time gift or if you want to set up a recurring gift, you can do that. Uh, there's actually on that homepage as well, there's another link that says just specifically giving and it tells all the places where you can give. You can actually also give on our Facebook page as well. There's a place where it says donate there and you can click there and again, see those same options of giving one time or uh, giving a recurring gift. But we appreciate uh, the generosity of the people at Ridgepoint Church. And uh, we just want to encourage you, um, you know, just because we're not meeting, uh, we still need to take care of things. So uh, a couple, I want to let you know about a couple other things that are coming up uh, as the new year begins. Uh, first of all, on January 5th, Sunday, January 5th, we'll be back at Ridgepoint Church, back on our regular schedule. Uh, we're going to be here at 9 o'clock and at 10.30 a.m., so we'll kind of get back into the swing of things. And that Sunday, we're actually kind of doing a kind of a kickoff for 2014. Uh, JJ's going to be sharing kind of some things on his heart, some things where he, he feels like God's leading us and kind of just kind of a, a little bit of a vision for 2014 for Ridgepoint Church. And then the following Sunday on January 12th, same schedule, 9 o'clock and 1030 uh, we're going to kick off a brand new series. Uh, it's going to be a four-week series called Bought In. And it's really just about <clears throat> how we can connect uh, and be a part of, kind of buy into uh, what we do here at Rich Point Church. And not only as a church, but even in our faith, ways that we can kind of connect and grow in our faith as well. And so we'd encourage you to come out for that. And then the final thing I wanted to share with you is this. On Sunday, January 19th, which would be the second week of Bought In, uh, we're going to launch uh, the signups for our, our RPC groups. And so maybe, um, maybe, you've, maybe you're already part of a group or maybe you've tried a group out in the past or, or whatever that looks like. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe you've never tried one of our groups and uh, maybe you're kind of new to the church or whatever that looks like. This is a great opportunity for you to kind of connect to the heart of Ridgepoint Church. Uh, I really feel like no, long, no matter how long you've attended Ridgepoint Church on Sundays, if you haven't ever been part of one of our groups, then I don't really think you kind of get to the heart of what the church is all about. And so I'd encourage you on that Sunday, 
be here. We're going to talk specifically about groups, but then we're going to give you the opportunity uh, to begin signing up. And that'll be going on for a couple weeks, and then we'll get those groups launched in February. But we just wanted to let you know about that opportunity to be able to connect with the church and to grow in your faith as well. So a lot of exciting stuff that is going to be happening in 2014. Certainly be here on Sundays, be a part of what's going on. And um, I'm going to turn it over to JJ so that he can kind of share a little bit more about that. What's up, Ridgepoint Church? Welcome to something new we're trying out this year. We don't know how it's going to work out, uh, but there's a couple of reasons why we're doing this. First of all, if you're not familiar with this, we are not having church at all this week on our campus at Ridgepoint Church. Instead, we're encouraging people to, as a family, watch this, this video either through DVD or maybe you're watching online. Uh, we're doing it something different this year, and there's a couple of reasons why we're doing it. It is a little bit unorthodox. We know that. We're not the only church that does this. But we're trying it out for the first time this year. And two reasons why we're doing it. First of all, we know that a number of you volunteer on a weekly basis at Ridgepoint Church. Honestly, all that we do on a weekly basis wouldn't be possible without hundreds of volunteer hours put in by our volunteers throughout the week. But especially on Sunday morning. And, and especially as the Christmas holiday approaches, we have some extra services that we had planned. And, and our volunteers put in a lot of time, a lot of effort and energy into that. And so this is a way to give all of our volunteers a little bit of a break, to let them spend time with their family, also to allow our staff to spend some downtime with their family, and to be able to spend some time away. Some of you might be traveling and all of that. And so we just want to give people a chance to have a week off from their regular activities. But also, and this is just as important, the second reason why we're doing this, especially making these videos, is, we be, because, is because we believe in the power of a family worshiping together. Now, that could be families getting together in church and singing songs together and, and, and raising hands and getting all excited about what God's doing. Or it could be something as simple as families gathering together to sit down to to hear a short message, to open up scripture together. Uh, see, worship's a lot bigger than just music or, or just a, a setting and an environment in a church. Uh, worship really is a lifestyle. So we want to do this to give our volunteers a break, but also to encourage families, even when we don't have that church service on Sunday morning, still there's a time we can gather together as a family to discuss God's word, uh, to grow together. If, if maybe you still have kids at the house, uh, it is vital the role that you play in teaching them scripture. We're just there to support what you're already doing. So thank you for taking time this week to watch this video, to engage with it. Uh, maybe you even open up the Bible with us. We'd love for you to do that. As we kind of wrap up 2013, and really want to do that at the beginning of the message today, is to talk through what God has accomplished in our church in, in the last 365 days, really, as we wrap up this year. Uh, a couple of big things. Obviously, this is a big year of transition. Uh, if, if I look at like the top five or six things, which we're doing briefly this morning, uh, one of the top things on that was all the transitions that took place this year. Uh, as a church, as, as leaders, as volunteers, we had a lot of transitions this year, people moving all over. And, and especially as I moved into that role of being lead pastor, to see the way the staff responded and also to see the way the volunteers respond to the staff in those leadership positions. Uh, it was awesome just to be a part of it, to see the way the staff rotated. We would bring on new staff this year with Joshua coming on as our youth pastor, to see Chris and Ashley rotate in new roles, to see a number of our volunteers step up in a new capacity, and to see some new volunteers get plugged in. It was such an exciting year of, of growth and transition that if I were to make a list of those top five or six things, that would be the top thing. The, the, th the thing I think this year will be most known as is that year of transition as we saw the transition of those changes. 
And within a couple of months of that transition kind of really beginning to take shape, uh, we made a decision along with the trustees of the church uh, to make a decision to, for, for the last couple of years, our building was on a market. We we're trying to sell it, look for an alternative place for us to meet. And it just really seemed like God was closing that door for us. Uh, it was the season we went through as a church, just trying to see, God, is this, is this what you have? We kept asking that question. Um, but as that door shut and we decided to stay here, we tried to figure out how we could, as a staff, reinvest in this building, take care of some of the specific space crunch needs that we had. The number one need that we had was more space for our children. Uh, so we made the decision to move all of our children's ministry downstairs, to relocate some of the offices and the green room that was downstairs, move that upstairs, to see some of the transition that took place there to be able to, to make more room for our children and to be able to create a safer environment for the kids. Along with that, a little more obvious to someone coming in on Sunday morning would be the changes that took place in the sanctuary itself. We saw uh, walls being knocked down, screens being put up, lights installed, uh, just to kind of create more sp- space, to create, create sometimes even the elusive more space, and to give people an environment where they felt a little bit more free to be able to express themselves in, in worship. And, and so the neat thing, and for me, the, the best part of that, it's cool to be able to walk in and, and to be able to see the space that we have, to be able to see the area we have in the sanctuary and to have the band have more space up here on the stage, to be able to see more room for our kids or even to go up in the green room and check it out. If you haven't had a chance to do that, I'd really encourage you to be able to do, to do that. The green room is a great place for our volunteers to get plugged in, to get to know each other, to hang out, give some food, you know, all that stuff. It's just a good place to be. If you haven't had a chance to do that, I encourage you to go do that. But beyond all the extra additions that meant for our church, the thing I loved most about it was it was all basically done with very little bit of, of finances, but mostly through our people stepping up, providing uh, the, the talent and the time that they had uh, to be able to donate towards what we were doing. And, and here's what I saw was I saw people who maybe for the first time were getting plugged into Ridgepoint Church, were getting to know other people, uh, serving alongside, whether it's holding a paintbrush or, or mounting stuff or putting locks on doors, whatever it was, being able to partner together as a church to say, we want to put our best foot forward to change this environment. If we're going to stay here, we want to reinvest in this building to make it the best that we can. And as we saw kind of two phases for that to happen this year, and for us to finish it up with the night of worship was a phenomenal way for us to kind of say, okay, that phase uh, in, in our kind of our reconstruction was done. Uh, along, those times, along those lines, the third thing that we did uh, as we decided to reinvest in the building, well, we also said we want to find a way to reinvest in our community. Uh, when we realized that this was the place that, that God wanted us to stay, at least for the season right now, this is where we're supposed to be, we realized there are neighborhoods all around us who need to be shown in a very practical way the love that Jesus has for them. And so it's, it's, it's so easy for us to look around. And I'm sitting in the church right now, and I'm looking out the door, and, and there are people within a hearing distance if we were to shout from this building and say, hey, here's what's happening. People could hear that. There's communities all around us. And so this year we said we want this to be kind of a renewed effort on our part to get to know the community around us, to be able to invest in the community. And for me, one of my favorite things we did all year was to participate in the latter part of the year in the day of service. Uh, and the day of service, we were able to help rebuild some homes in, in a big way over in Eloise. But then a smaller way right here in, in our own neighborhood in Janfield Village, we were able to reinvest in some of the neighborhood and some of the homes, uh, whether it was putting up fencing or doing some landscaping or mostly it was it meant painting people's homes. And as we finished up the, the second home, we really, really worked on um, to be able to, to talk to the homeowner uh, who came from a different religious tradition altogether. And for her to come to us just blown away saying, I can't believe your church would do this. 
and, and she mentioned her religious tradition, saying there's no way they would ever do this for me. Uh, we don't always get this thing right. In fact, I would say more times than not, we don't get it right. But those times we do get it right, it, you know, it makes it feel like we're, we're, we're making some progress. We're, in our own way, we're showing the love of Jesus. But if there were one moment that, for me, encapsulated what 2013 meant, uh, it was towards the latter part of this year, as, as we kind of were wrapping up the year and we're focusing on some things within our, within our church, uh, really preparing for the Christmas season. Uh, we got a text message late one night from Brett Durbin from Trash Mountain Project, who was uh, down in Tacloban in the Philippines, and, and he was uh, there where all the devastation hit, like in the hardest hit region from, from the typhoon that hit there. And he said, hey, I just thought about Ridgepoint. They had just met a, a, an older lady whose husband was, was killed and, and whose kids were left without a home. She and her kids had no home at all. And she wasn't going to be able to have, her, you know, be able to have access to her kids until she has some sort of emergency, emergency housing set up. And so Brett said, hey, I thought about Ridgepoint. I know you guys are planning on doing something in the future, but is there any way you could do something right now? Like she needs housing now. And this was like a week before Thanksgiving. And, and so we kind of got the message late Saturday night. We came in on Sunday morning not knowing what to expect. We heard a little bit of the story Sunday. said, if you want to give, give. If you want to give later on, that's awesome. But during the story we heard, we also heard about a, another lady named Leah who had the exact same situation happen to her. And these two ladies were actually at church with Brett that day. And, and through generous giving from, from you and through you being involved in what we're doing, uh, we're able to have both of those ladies have emergency housing booked for them that week. By Thanksgiving, they were in their homes reunited with their children. Again, we don't always get this thing right. Uh, and, and, and sometimes it drives us crazy that we struggle sometimes the way that we do, just as we try to follow Christ. Uh, we make mistakes, we mess up. But the, the beautiful thing is that God is in this redemptive story of trying to redeem mankind to himself. And that some, sometime in that story, he allows us to participate in the story with him. And so for God to allow Ridgepoint Church to be used in that way this year was such a powerful reminder of the grace that he shows in our life. Last week, we had a chance during Interrupting Christmas to talk about the Gospel of John. And to, uh, I'm sorry, the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, we read the birth narrative, probably the most popular narrative of the birth of Christ. Over in John, we read a little bit different account. In John chapter 1, we read this, the, the account of, of the Word, the Word being Jesus, becoming flesh. And, and it says this in John 1, 14. It says, the Word being Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen the glory, the glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's the thing the Bible says about Jesus, as he's described here as the Word, that the Word became flesh. He was God in the flesh. He was the God-man who became flesh and blood just like us. The birth story, what we celebrated last week, Jesus coming here in, in that manger, that was him coming here in flesh and blood. God in the flesh. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. That means that just like you and I grew up, he grew up and he dealt with some of the same struggles and the same challenges that we dealt with. And yeah, obviously we know he is God. He lived this faultless and sinless life. And yet he, he dwelled among us. He dealt with the pressures we faced. He had family members just like we have family members. And he dealt with all the stuff that we have to deal with. And yet it says about him, the very last part of this, it says we've seen his glory, but that he was full of grace and truth. He was fully human, yet he was fully divine. He was literally, quite literally, the God-man. 
And yet as he was the God, man, it says about him that he was full of grace and truth. It wasn't that he was 50% grace and 50% truth. Because if, if that's the case, there are times that we're full of, full of grace, we lack truth. There are times we, we're full of grace and lack truth, or full of truth and lack grace. But Jesus at all times was full of grace and full of truth. He fully embodied both of those attributes. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd want that to be said of me. I'd want to be said of, of JJ that, hey, you know what? That guy right there, he was full of grace and truth, and yet I know this is how I live my life. There are times that I really, really want to shower people with grace. I want to show grace so much that I do so at the expense of truth. Or there are times that I am so busy trying to make sure that people get truth that I, run, that I run roughshod right over grace. And yet Jesus was this perfect embodiment. Jesus had such a way about him that even as people came and asked disruptive questions to him, he could answer with truth. But he could answer with truth that was full of a grace that actually cared about the individual that he was answering to. See, Jesus was the full embodiment of grace and truth. We said this a couple of weeks ago during the, uh, during the Christmas series, Interrupting Christmas. We said that the early church was known as people who would give generously and love graciously. They would give generously and they would love graciously. And we said if we could ever do that, if we could ever do that as a church, not just Ridgepoint Church, but I'm talking about the church across, at least across our country, if not the church globally. If we could ever do that as a church, if it was known about us that we would give generously and that we'd love graciously, that we as a church would give generously and we'd love graciously, that literally people all around would look at Christian believers and say, I don't know a whole lot about them, but I know that they believe in what they say they believe because they are people who give generously and people that love graciously. Let's forget about the church universally for a second. Let's forget about all the other churches that are, that are doing this. What if God calls us as a church to do that? Now, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the beginning of 2014. We have some big plans in place. Chris already shared some of those, some other things we're excited to be able to share. We're going to wait until we get to that point this year. What if that could be known about us as a church? Then when people will look at Rich Point Church, they say, you know what, I don't know a whole lot about the people that are there. But I know that they give generously, and I know that they love graciously. I think if we did that, we'd be the embodiment of grace and truth. But in order for us to get there, because the truth is, as we look at, and we're about to look in the book of Acts, the thing I love about the book of Acts, it's the history of the early church. And as we look at the history of the early church, the early church was very similar to us. Now, there were a lot of unique differences. It was a different time, a different culture. There were a lot of different different stresses that they've dealt with that we don't have to, and vice versa, stuff we have to deal with they never had to deal with. But there are a lot of similarities, and the main similarity is this. The church is made up of broken individuals. The church then, we can look at it, we're going to look at it in just a second, in Acts 4, the church is doing some phenomenal things. And yet it's full of broken individuals who are making mistakes, who are messing things up, and yet here's, here's the central truth is that the church, once we get a picture, and whether that's the church in the book of Acts or whether it's the church that we deal with today, the churches, we're all individuals. We all make mistakes. But collectively, we're stronger than all of our parts broken up. 
that collectively there's something unique that happens when the church gets together that we're stronger than its divided parts. How does that happen? What happens when each of us individually say, I want to embrace the challenge God has for the church? Like, I realize there's a church that is doing phenomenal things globally, but in order for the church to grow globally, or in order for the church to grow here in our setting, you see, the Bible speaks of of two different dynamics of the church. Uh, First of all, we have what we often see is is a local church. When we meet together on Sunday mornings, it's an extension. It's, it's, It's the local church coming together, but there's also the universal church, which is all the believers, and we can see what God is doing globally. You can see how God is moving in different regions of of the world, and we see that we're excited about that, but the only way that's possible is by you and me saying we want to take on the challenge. We know that God has a call to the church. In order for the church to fulfill that call, we can't look around and wait for someone else to respond to that. But instead, it's on us right now. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Acts. We're going to read just a little bit of this about the commonality of the church, about the church coming together. Uh, it was a unique time. Jesus had, just a short time ago, he just left the earth. And, and really, we see just the really beginning stages of the church. And the church comes together, and, and there's this this new vibe about the church. They're, they're starting this out. They're branching out on their own. They're planning all this stuff themselves, and they're trying to figure this all out. And so because of that, there's something unique that's happening where these people are embracing this challenge and saying, we don't know how this is supposed to work. We don't have a, a guidebook to follow necessarily. We don't have a, a whole bunch of church history to look at to figure out how the church has done this. We're just gathering together. We're studying the Bible. And we're trying to do what it says to do. I think sometimes we bog the message down. And we try to figure out, all right, to, do, to be the church, you have to do this, 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 and this. And, and, and the people in the early church didn't have all that context to figure it out. They just said, here's what I know. Let's get together, study the Bible, talk about Jesus, and let's go be world changers. Again, broken people making mistakes. But there's something so simple about what they're doing. In Acts 4, verse 32, it says this. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. There was this commonality of the church. They, they, they gathered together, and, and they were no longer concerned with what is mine and what is yours, and let's figure all of this stuff out. That, that wasn't their focus. They said, all I know is that Jesus calls us family, and so now we're going to gather together, and it's, we're not going to divide things up based upon who's, who's is what or how we're going to do this thing, but we're just going to gather together. We all believe, and because we believe, we have one heart and we have one soul, and no one's worried about all those differences. I heard this said a couple of weeks ago, and this just kind of stuck with me. What if we shouted loudest on the things where we find the most agreement? You see, all you have to do is look around in the churches in our country, and there are a whole lot of churches that, that, that believe a whole lot of different things, and we tend to shout loudest about the things that we have disagreements on. I heard this said recently. What if we shouted loudest on the things we find the most agreement? You see, the church across the world, but especially it seems like the church in the United States right now, we tend to shout loudest about the things that we disagree upon. There are churches that believe different things, and sometimes those things are big deals, but a lot of times they're not. And they shout loud, and they find their disagreements, and they fight about really the silliest things. But what instead of about finding about those things we disagree upon, what if we shouted loudest about the things we agree upon? What if the world around us actually looked at us as, as family? 
It's a mark of the church in Acts. They're together. And not just that, but it says this about them. Verse 33 and verse, uh, 33 through 35, it says this. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There is not a needy person among them, for as many were as owner of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as, as any had need. So basically what's happening is people are concerned with what's theirs. Uh, they're actually coming together saying, hey, if we have people that have need, we're going to go ahead and meet those needs. Even if it means we have to sell what we have. Listen, here's what I want you to get. They were never commanded to do this. Never do you see in any scripture where they said, hey, you have to go and do all these things. It's just that there was this measure of commonality. They're together, they're united in one heart, they're united in one spirit. And you don't really see a command that we're supposed to do that going on from that point. It just is saying there's this unique trait of the early church. That they saw there's, there's a challenge that's out there. There's a calling upon their lives. And the only way that they were going to get there was if they banded together as believers to do that. So how do we get to that point? How do we get to that point? Not necessarily of having to mimic the, the early church in, in the exact uh, dimension of what they did. But at least to having that heart, that commonality of saying, I want to be united with my brothers and sisters. I have one heart and have one purpose. How do we get there? It says this, verse 36. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. There's a spiritual dynamic to the church, but the spiritual dynamic is in the idea that broken people have been invited to follow Jesus. For that to happen, even for those of us far away from him, for us really to, to get this, this big picture that we as human beings right now can, can embrace the message of Jesus, that we can follow Jesus. For us to get to that point, growth is essential. For us to get to that point, maturity in our faith is essential. See, and this is a big deal. As each of us grows incrementally, the body grows exponentially. As each one of us grows incrementally, the body, all of the believers together, grows exponentially. And, and it's crazy that we see this because we don't fully understand it. Like there's times we see this where even in the early church, it's not like the early believers were, were going from, from being this person that kind of hell-bent on doing things their own way. And, and right away they, they go and their lives are completely changed and everything about them changes. Sometimes the growth is incremental. They're trying to figure this thing out. Sometimes it was exponential growth, but a lot of times it's individuals starting to get their life right. And you've seen it and I've seen it where people start to grow incrementally. But as they grow incrementally, something happens to the body that it grows so much stronger than the sum of its divided parts. Our goal as a church moving forward saying, God, we want you to be glorified in our actions as a church, corporately. But in order for the church to grow corporately, each one of us has to be about growth and maturity individually. At the beginning of 2014, we're going to begin to lay out the plan for, that we have for the church. Some of which Chris has already mentioned, some of which we're holding on until we get into those first couple of weeks. We have some exciting plans in place for us, but here's what I know. 
at the end of every year, at least in our minds, we have a tendency to wipe the slate clean. And we begin each year fresh and anew with some new goals. For most of us, those goals are going to be maybe financial goals or physical goals or maybe trying to create more memory-type events for our families. But as you begin to assess where your life is at at the end of 2013, as 2014 is about to dawn, I would challenge you just as much as you want to set those goals in those specific areas, to set some specific goals. You see, if we don't sit down as believers and say, here's what I want to accomplish spiritually in 2014, it's not going to happen. We can have all the intention we want, but intention without any plan is doomed for failure. But when we intend to grow and we have a plan for growth, it gives us the potential for that growth to be realized. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray in just a second. And my prayer is specifically for you watching this. Uh, first of all, it's a prayer of thanksgiving that you take the time, whether it's you or whether it's your family, to take this 25 minutes to be able to, to sit down, look at Scripture, and talk through what that means for you individually and for us corporately. But then a prayer of thanksgiving is followed up by a prayer of God, give us a dedication we need and a vision we need to live out the calling you have on our life. And as we do that individually in an incremental way, it's our belief, God, that you would do that to our church exponentially. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the calling you have on our lives as believers. God, we don't always get this right. We are full of mistakes, and, and because of that, we can, can, can mess this up, sometimes in, in, in royal ways. But God, as we've seen, there's also many times you allow us to get it right, and you allow us to be part of your story. God, I thank you for every person who picked up a DVD or who's watching this video online. I thank you for the time that they took out of their holiday week to be able to sit down and listen to Scripture and, and us talk about what that means for our church. But God, I pray that as we digest this, it isn't just us being fed, but it's us dialoguing with the text. It's us figuring out, okay, what is if this is what the early church did, is if this is the commonality they had in loving each other and serving the community, God, I pray that we would love you we'd love community and that we'd love culture. God, I pray that we would be all about those things. And God, for us to get there as a church, it takes each of us being the church. And so God, my prayer right now as we begin to wrap up this year is for you to give each one of us individually or each one of us as a family unit the vision you'd have for us and that God, we would come up with that plan for success for our spiritual growth. And that, God, as we grow incrementally, the body would respond exponentially. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. If there's anything we can do to help you out in this journey, uh, you can email us, either jg at ridgepointchurch.org, or as Chris mentioned earlier, chris at ridgepointchurch.org. Again, thank you for taking time to watch this video. Enjoy the rest of your week.